This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. And good evening, Detroit. This is Reverend Chris Palmer on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. It's 12.15 a.m. on Sunday morning, or if you're still up, Saturday night. And uh, welcome to the broadcast. The power of God is here. The presence of God is here. And I believe that you're tuned in to the broadcast because God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He wants to minister to you by His Spirit. You know, this broadcast, we believe in the power and the presence of God. We believe in the supernatural anointing of His Spirit. We believe that when you listen, that you are engaged to the presence of God. And so if you need a supernatural touch of healing tonight, if you have uh, need of deliverance in your mind, if you have some type of miracle that you're believing God for, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26, Jesus said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In the presence of God, the word impossible does not exist. It's because you serve a God that is big and, and, and a God that is mighty, and he wants to touch you tonight by his Spirit I just believe there's somebody you're listening tonight and your emotions are nervous. I speak peace over you now in Jesus' name. Someone, your heart is broken because of a, a, a rebellious child. I declare it tonight in the name of Jesus. That is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus as you listen to this show. And we certainly have a good one for you tonight. I want to remind you that before we get started tonight, that we're very thankful for everybody that wants to partner with us, people that help us to continue to bring this broadcast to the area on Saturday nights. Uh, if you're looking to support us, you can go to www.chrispalmerministries.com, or you can write to us, P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Also, if you want to email us, you can email us, info at chrispalmerministries.com, and I so enjoy going through the emails and responding to people that are uh, listening to our shows. We love hearing from people that this show has been a blessing to. So we encourage you to uh, prayerfully consider uh, partnering with our broadcast. We also want to let you know that we have a podcast on the road with Chris Palmer, and we update that as regularly as we can. And uh, so you can continue to stream all of our, uh, not just stream, but download all of our shows uh, to your uh, iPhone or to your Samsung Galaxy or whatever they have out there today. And uh, we know that it will be a blessing to you. Let me open up in prayer before we begin tonight. Father, everybody listening, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would touch them by your Spirit. I pray tonight, Father, their hearts and their minds would be engaged. And Lord, I pray the anointing of your Holy Spirit be upon this broadcast. I pray that you would draw forth the hearts of every listener to engage heaven, that there be a divine spiritual connection that would take place, that there be a release of impartation, Lord. And I declare, Holy Father, are you and your word, and I declare tonight, Father, that your presence is with us. We welcome you, Holy Ghost, to everybody that's listening to be one connection tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to minister tonight uh, on the topic of the fire of God, and... Uh, a lot of times, if you've grown up in Pentecostal circles or charismatic circles, this is a common term you hear. You hear the, the term, the fire of God. And uh, 
when you hear the word fire and power and things like that, people sometimes say, well, what is the fire of God? And they want to know about the fire of God. And, uh, you know, there's people that think that the fire of God is an option or they don't have that fire in their life. And I want to talk to you tonight about it. I just got back from Sicily, Italy. And I was preaching in three different cities while I was there, Palermo, Comiso, and Messina. And the Spirit of God had me ministering on the topic, the presence of God. And one of the evenings while I was there, the Spirit of God led me to speak on the fire of God. It was a very powerful service, and the Holy Ghost moved in a miraculous way. People were touched and healed, and the body of Christ was blessed. But uh, there were some things that I wanted to bring back from there that I haven't ministered yet and bring it on this radio show. And I want you to engage tonight uh, in your heart to hear what the Lord has to say. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 29, For our God is a consuming fire. One of the things we have to understand about God is that God does not uh, have love. God does not have power. God does not have wisdom. God is power. God is love. And God is wisdom. If there's any wisdom in the world, it came from God. If there's any power in the world, it came from Him. He is the source of everything that is good and everything that is right and everything that is true and everything that is power. When you get into the presence of God, when God comes to you and He visits you or He draws you into and invites and welcomes you into His presence and you experience all of God and all that He is uh, in that one experience, all that He is wrapped up in one, that's the glory of God. The glory of God is everything that He is, everything that is Him, wrapped up into one, contained inside of His presence, and the glory of God is goes where God goes. It is all who He is and what He is. When you get in the presence of God and you spend any considerable time, I don't mean just reading the Bible, and I don't mean just praying prayers where you're asking God for things, but I mean you really have drawn yourself into the presence through waiting on God, through worship, through seeking Him, then you get into His presence. And when you're in His presence, you are not going to come out unchanged. And there is not going to be uh, an instance where you're in that presence and you leave the same. You will always be changed. And when you're in the presence of God, it is always evident that you've been in His presence. Because I can tell you from personal experience that many times I've gone into the presence of God without an idea. And I come out of the presence of God with an idea. I go into the presence of God downcast, but I come out of the presence of God lifted up. And that presence has a way of impregnating your mind with ideas and revelation and knowledge that affects your soul and it causes your emotions to get in line with what you've experienced in the presence. But if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down. The fire of God is the residue that the presence of God leaves upon your life. So when somebody says, uh, how do you know this person has been in the presence of God? You look for the residue in that person's life that they haven't just been around religion or they haven't been around people that know God, but they themselves have gone and experienced the Lord and have gone before His throne and they're going to have the residue, which is the fire, in their life. Fire of God is not a just a term that we use. The fire of God is not an uh, abstract idea. And the fire of God is not passion. 
The fire of God is not enthusiasm. The fire of God is not excitement or fanaticism or radical emotionalism. The fire of God is a residue that can only come upon you after being in the presence of God. And you'll notice when you go through the Word of God and you read it through that anybody that has ever had a substantial experience with God in the Old Testament or the New Testament, a radical encounter, they all write about the fire of the Lord. Something that they saw about him that there was fire. For instance, in Revelation chapter 1 where John is on the island of Patmos, he's being persecuted under uh, the reign of Domitian, who was the emperor persecuting at that time. He says that while he was uh, breaking rocks and busting up stones, uh, that he encountered a vision in a cave. And... It was the Lord Jesus. And he appeared to him. The Bible describes how his feet were like brass. His hair was like wool. He shined like the light of the sun. But in his eyes there was fire. Then you go over into the Old Testament. And you read the story of Abraham. Where Abraham uh, made a covenant with God. Actually God made a covenant with himself. On the behalf of Abraham. And when after Abraham had uh, put the animals that the Lord instructed him to and broke and cut them in half and put one on each side. The Bible says that when God came to visit him, he appeared as a flaming furnace or a torch or a lamp. So that was another experience with the fire of God. And then uh, when you go over and you look uh, in the story of Moses, the children of Israel, they were led captive. They were, were taken captive by Egypt and they were on their exodus or out of Egypt. The Bible says that by day, he led him by cloud, but by night, he led him by fire. So the children of Israel was a generation right under Moses that experienced the fire of God. That is what this generation needs today, is a generation of people that see the fire of God. A generation of young people that don't just see religion or see church where it's cool, like, oh, we're having fun in church, but what they're seeing is the true presence of God, then the only way that you can get that fire upon you is when you get into His presence and you really encounter God for Himself. So anytime that God appeared to people through that holiness, you saw fire. Another example is First Kings, I believe, 16, where you have, uh, or Second Kings, excuse me, First Kings, there we go. Elijah, he's having the standoff with the prophets of Baal. The Bible says that the prophets of Baal spent the whole evening from morning all the way until night cutting themselves, trying to make sacrifices, calling out to the God of the heathen, which was Baal at that time. The Bible says that Elijah, after he took three barrels of water and dumped it on his sacrifice until the ditches began to fill up with water and everything was soaked, that he called upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Word of God says that a flaming fire came down that consumed the sacrifices and licked up all the water. And he had an encounter with the fire of God. Anybody in scripture that encountered the presence of God experienced the fire of God. And that fire that they experienced went with them. And you'll discover that in the very beginning of people's ministries, before they ever became effective for God, they had to experience his fire. 
Today we teach a lot of times that for people to be effective, they need to go to Bible school, they need to go to seminary, they need to get their doctor degree, they need to have 10 years of ministry experience, they need to have recommendation and endorsement from a pastor that has a congregation over a certain size, but none of that can make you effective in ministry, although it's good. It cannot make you effective for the kingdom of God. But to become effective in the kingdom of God, you have to have the baptism of fire in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, the, uh, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, is prophesying about the one that's to come. And he says, I'm the one that baptized with water, but there is one that's coming who is mightier than me, and he shall not baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The Bible says that when in Acts chapter 2, when the disciples were gathered together in one place, they were all in one accord. And the Bible says there came the sound of a, mushered, a, a rushing mighty wind, and it came to rest upon each of them tongues as of fire. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Bible says that they came out and it says, You're drunk with wine. And Peter says, No, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. We are not drunk by this time. He says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In Joel chapter 2, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and they experienced the fire of God. So at the very beginning of every ministry that you see, you see an experience with the fire. Before John got his revelation of Jesus, he had the fire of God. Before uh, the disciples began the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Ghost, which is written in the 28 chapters of the book of Acts, they had an encounter with the fire. And before um, you see anything that takes place effective in ministry, there was an encounter with the fire of God. This fire is an indication that you have something authentic from God, and it is God. My gosh. I'm preaching tonight on the radio. Praise the Lord. So I wanted you to see tonight. Now, see, <clears throat> when you preach on the fire, there should be some fire. When you preach on the glory, there should be some glory. I remember one time I said to the Lord, why is it difficult, God, that every time I talk about the glory of God, it's difficult to describe the glory because I can't explain it. The Lord told me because my glory was not meant to be explained. It was meant to be experienced. When you experience something, you don't need anybody to explain it. And even after you explain something to somebody, still cannot experience it. I'll give you an example. Um, when you were single, you would ask married people, what's it like to be married? And they would explain it to you. And before you got married, if you did things right, you went and got marriage counseling. And they sat you down and the pastor told you, this is how marriage is going to be. Love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener, praise God. <laughs> well, they explained it to you. They went over A, B, C. They told you everything from finances to raising kids to disciplining kids to keeping, uh, you know, spending time and communication to sexuality to everything that has to do with marriage. Ran it down. Probably made you read books. Well, then the people get married and then they say, this is nothing like we thought it was going to be because there's a difference between explaining it and experiencing it, and even though they told you, you had to experience it for yourself. Well, that's what the presence and the fire of God is like. I can teach you tonight about the fire of God. I can tell you, but it will not benefit you until the fire of God comes into your life and begins to consume up everything that you have on your altar. And I want you to experience the fire tonight. I want that fire to live in you because when you have the fire of God in your life, you won't back down from devils. When you have the fire of God in your life, you will not be upset 
and discouraged when the enemy comes looking for you because you will back him down because fire never backs down from anything. When have you ever seen fire turn down a challenge? Fire consumes everything in its way and is not a respecter of persons. The very first thing that the fire of God is, is the fire of God represents God's purification in our lives. When you don't have the fire of God working and operating in you, then you are not continually purified on a regular basis. Um, and I understand I teach on the new creation reality. I teach on being born again, that when you're born again in Christ, your spirit's alive, you're reconciled to God, that you have peace with God, that there is an amendment that is made. He adopts you into the family of God. Then I believe that. But we still live in a body. We still possess a soul. You have a mind that is at work. You have a body that is continually, uh, the Bible says it is uh, dying daily, and that's why you groan consistently. The Bible says we do groan. Being burdened, your biggest burden that you carry is not your mother-in-law, friend. <laughs> your biggest burden is your body. Your body, you have to wake it up. You have to get it out of bed. You have to comb it. You have to brush it. You have to brush its teeth. I mean, at least I hope you do. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I uh, was in Italy this week, last week actually, and um, one thing that I wasn't prepared for, although I should have been prepared because my family's Italian, but I wasn't prepared for, was the way they eat over there. I mean, their food is very much a part of every culture, but in Italy, food is their culture. And they don't just do one meal. They do five, six courses, followed by coffee and ice cream every time. And then for breakfast, here for dinner, we eat cannolis. For breakfast, they eat cannolis. That's what you get when you have breakfast. And, uh, you know, of course I want to eat. And, of course, I want to fellowship and everything. The whole day fellowships, the whole day revolves around the meal. Uh, I wasn't prepared for it. And I probably, by the end of the time preaching, I could not button my suit pants. And uh, the last night I had to squeeze into them. And the pastor told me, well, you can wear a short sleeve shirt because it was hot out there. And I could put the short sleeve shirt over my pants and it was one that you didn't have to tuck in. And it made it easier for me. I could keep the button loose and uh, and put the belt over it <laughs> so nobody would see. Well, then, you know, there were times where I would eat and then I'd feel so full. And I remember thinking, oh i got to get home and exercise. Well, that's because I live in a body, and I'm consistently walking around with this body on a daily basis. And as a believer, you have this body. But when the fire of God is in your life, there is a continual renewal that takes place to the mind that your body possesses. Every day you're going to see things that's filth, especially living in an age of social media. You will see things that are inappropriate. If you have Twitter, you these bombarded with people and their dumb tweets, Facebook and their news feeds, and you need something in your life that is going to power you and drive you and keep you pure so that you can walk before God pure and your mind can be pure and it can measure up to your spirit. This is the fire of God. Um, it represents purifying. It represents that you have a continual daily relationship with the Lord that's on fire and that's hot. Too many times we think that, well, we're born again, check. We have the Word of God in our lips, check. We know the Word of God, check. We are, uh, we love the Word of God, check. And uh, we can quote the Word of God, check. Well, that's not enough. Because you, remember I said this tonight, you can read the Word of God, 
You can know the Word of God. You can know the original Hebrew and the original Greek and never have an encounter with His presence. And the fire of God does not follow study. You can't study yourself into the fire of God. It's just not going to happen. You have to experience God in His presence. And that will result in the fire of God. That will be the uh, reward that you receive from being in His presence. I know people that get into the presence of God and they don't know much of the Word of God at all. And that's not necessarily a good thing because you want to study the Word. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. But on the same token, they still have the fire of God. And that fire leads them to cast out devils. It leads them to pray for the sick. It causes them to be bold. And I'm going to show you that tonight, how people, uh, the Bible, even though it doesn't specifically lay out things about the fire of God, people that were holy before the Lord, continually effective in their ministry because they hated sin, they were around the fire of God. If you are not, write this down if you're taking notes tonight, if you're not around the fire of God, it will be difficult for you to loathe sin. When you're around the fire of God, you will hate sin. You will not want to sin. You will not want to step out of the presence of God because you're burning hot with God's presence. It says here in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is the prophet in the land of Judah. It says in verse number 1, The year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Isaiah is being welcomed into the presence of God. Then it says in verse number 2, Above it stood the seraphims. The seraphims, when you study angelology, are the highest of all angels that can go in and out of the presence of God. They're the ones that go before the throne and cry, Holy, holy, holy. It said, Each had six wings, and with twain, or two, he covered his face, two, he covered his feet, and two, he flew. And then it says, One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The word holy means there is none like you. They're saying there's none like you. Every assignment that we've received to go out of your presence and we've searched the universe, but we can find nothing that uh, can compare to the Lord. He is wonderful in his uh, works. There's no way to figure them out. And then in verse number four, it says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then verse number five, Isaiah spoke, and he thought, Woe is me. I'm undone, or I'm not prepared. It's like coming to dinner. Everybody's in a suit, and you're wearing a football jersey. Have you ever had that happen before? I remember one time, <laughs> I went to go preach at a church. You know, underdressing sometimes is just as bad as overdressing. Have you ever been unprepared for the occasion? One time I went to preach at a church, and I walked in, and everybody was in jeans and t-shirts. The pastor was wearing beat-up tennis shoes and jeans and a t-shirt that looked like he never had washed it. And I was wearing a suit with a nice sharp tie. And my shoes were shined. And he looked at me and I looked at him and there was a sense of embarrassment over me because I was overdressed. Well, that's how Isaiah felt when he got in the presence of God. I'm unprepared. Of course, he felt all the more worse. And this is why. Because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. The very first thing that Isaiah got conscious of when he came into the presence of God was not just his sin, but the sin of the people that he was with. When you get into the presence of God, this will happen often, is you become conscious of your shortcomings, you become conscious of uh, where those shortcomings evolved from, was the society that was around you, 
And when you measure your holiness by God's holiness, you always find that you've fallen short. Now, I know that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus and all things have become new, that we have the new righteousness, that we have his righteousness, he's put it on. But then again, even as those that are righteous and right standing with God, a lot of times you can examine your thoughts and you'd probably be very embarrassed if your thoughts were played out on a television screen in front of people because those thoughts are things that you think. And those things come from society. They're placed in your mind as seeds that society and media put in your mind and you allow them to grow and they turn into festering thoughts that rot your mind and this is what Isaiah was saying he's saying I've lived in a society of people of unclean lips perverse lips lips of envy and jealousy hatred and I come into the presence of God and this is what I'm conscious of but what did Isaiah need to get into that presence because even though his mind was keeping him from getting there his heart longed to be in the presence of God and then it says in verse number six then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Isn't it interesting that when Isaiah cried, there was an answer. See, this is an, verse number 6 is an answer to Isaiah's prayer. And whether Isaiah said it in his heart or he spoke it by his lips, when you cry out to God, he always sends to you angelic help with the answer. And the answer for Isaiah in verse number 6 was a hot coal that came from the presence of God. That hot coal was put upon Isaiah's lips. It represented an ingesting that took place. Your lips are the entrance into your body. It represented that Isaiah needed to be cleansed, that his body and his mind needed to be cleansed. They put that coal on his lips. He swallowed it. And the Bible says that he laid it out of my mouth, and lo, his hands touched my lips. He has touched my lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. The fire of God is God's cleansing power for your life. It is a gift that God gives to his people that allows them to go further into his glory and further into his presence. When people are looking to go deeper in God, they say, how can I go deeper in God? I say there is a principle that exists in the presence of God, and that is the more that you experience, the more pure you become, and the more deeper you qualify to be to go forward into his presence and to get to know her at a deeper level. See, there is revelation knowledge that is laid up uh, next to God. And in order for you to receive that type of insight and revelation, there has to be a trust that develops between you and Him. In order to get that trust, you have to go deeper into the Spirit and what allows you, what becomes a key many times to getting closer to the Lord, where He begins to reward you with massive amounts of spiritual insight, revelation, knowledge, and deep things that are coming from different dimensions, is that you have to be washed and purified by the fire of God. And so, like Isaiah, when you begin to seek the Lord, when you spend time with Him in your car, and I don't mean you just pay Him a little bit of lip service, then you tell Him, Jesus, you're wonderful. Oh, you're good. Thank you, God. I don't mean just a few minutes in the morning, but I mean you really get serious about being in His presence and you start carving out the time to spend with Him, which will produce fellowship. You begin to do that. There will be a place where you cross over a certain line and you enter into His presence. And when you're in that presence, He begins to call you to come deeper. And a trust begins to build between you and the Lord and He begins to share with you secrets. And then when you come out of that holy place, there will be upon you a fire. It will be a residue, an actual presence, kind of like an aura that follows you. And people will know that there's fire of God. When you have the fire of God upon you, sickness, disease, demons, it runs because you have the presence or the scent or the smell or the aroma of Jesus on your life. Now, I've seen preachers before. They're not very uh, 
efficient in the way they speak. They're not efficient in the way they deliver sermons. But power and miracles follow them. And you can tell they have the aroma of Jesus on their life. It's like when you walk into a coffee shop many times. Have you ever been into one where the coffee's not good? doesn't taste very good. If it was just the coffee, you would never return. But you look around and you see the aesthetics of it. It's a very beautiful place. It's nice. It's wonderful. Things are organized. The bathroom is clean. The espresso machines aren't that loud. And, you know, it's a good place to sit because you like the lighting. Good place to study. But the coffee tastes terrible. I know over in Europe, the coffee shops are marvelous. When you get to Europe, that's what they're known for, their coffee, especially places in Italy. And I'd walk into Italy, but they would have it. Everything was perfect. The aesthetics of the place was perfect. Everything was wonderful, and their coffee was good. But there were also places where you'd walk in, and the place was beat down a little bit. Uh, it wasn't very good seating. It was crowded. Uh, and there are people everywhere. And I think to myself, why is it this place is so crowded? It's not a very good looking place. And then you tried the coffee and you thought, wow, okay, I see why this place gets all the business because the coffee is great. This is somebody and represents somebody that has the fire of God in their life. They don't have to be efficient. They may not have it all together. They may not be able to quote to you the whole Bible. But when they have the fire of God in their life, they are serving up a product that is powerful that is potent, and that people want to consume. It's like a preacher that doesn't have everything in order, but he's been in the presence of God, and God has rewarded him with his fire. And when he says things, there's impact. It's a life changing to people. It's not so much what he's saying, but it is the presence that he is releasing and that he is emitting off of his life to change people for Jesus. And so... You can't teach that in the classroom. You have to give people a key to a room and say, here's the key to the room. Lock yourself in that room and don't come out until the fire of God begins to fall in your life. Glory to God. So you get into the presence of God. You become self-conscious about your sin. You say, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm unholy. Help me. And God says, here is my fire. I'm going to put it upon you. It's going to burn away that desire in you to want to stay and remain in that sin. And all of a sudden, he burns that fire up or that thing up with his fire, and you've been purified, and God says, now you can take one more step closer to my throne. And you come closer to his throne. And God says, you see this thing, this unforgiveness that you have? Yes, Lord, I see it. The Lord says, I'm going to burn it up with my fire. You say, Lord, do it. And he burns it up with his fire, and he says, now come closer. You come closer, and he says, now here, do you see this in your life? Yes, I see it. I'll burn it up with my fire. And then he burns it up, and you come closer. So the fire of God in your life continues to make a direct path between you and the throne of God, and it burns those things up in your life that need to go. Hallelujah. That's what the fire of God will do, and it's a residue or a reward of seeking his presence. And when you are touched by the fire of God, you come alive spiritually. You know, there's people today, they know a lot. They know how to do ministry. They know how to live as a Christian. But they're not alive spiritually. I sometimes meet Christians and I think to myself, wow. You know, there's no joy in their eyes. There's no peace upon them. I've had days like that. And I don't mean you have a day where you're just down in the dumps. We all have days like that. That's normal. It's going to happen to anybody that's in faith. But... I mean a day, I mean people that live lives of sorrow and misery and depression. Never want to come out of the rock unto which they have crawled under. These are people 
that need to get filled with the fire of God. They need to get in His presence and they need to have the Lord touch them with the coal of His fire so they can be full of power and authority and speak with conviction. Another thing about the presence of God is the presence of God or fire is, of course, hot. Things that you do in the kingdom of God, they should be done with fervency and they should be done with power. Let me read to you what it says in James chapter 5 concerning our prayer life. Now fervency, like I said, does not necessarily mean that you're loud, although it can be loud. It doesn't mean that you're jumping and swinging from the rafters every time you're doing something. Fervency is more of a conviction than it is an emotion. When you're fervent about something, you believe it. I was with a brother in Italy. He was <laughs> very fervent about a particular area of study in the Word of God. And I admired this area of study and, you know, was along a certain line. He picked me up from the airport. And he didn't know an ounce of English. So he picks me up from the airport. And we're driving the hour and a half drive that we have north to northern Sicily because I came in uh, in southern Sicily. And he's talking to me and going on and on and on about something and I'm doing my best to understand. Well, I realize he's talking about a certain particular passage in Genesis. The one that you study in systematic theology in the higher level courses in college. And then all of a sudden we stop to eat and uh, he has his iPad out in Italian. He's talking to me and he's da -da 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 teaching me. So I finally get to the church with some people that can talk English and I told him. They said, oh, he's <laughs> very, very... Um, uh, passionate or very, very, you know, interested in this area of study, and he was just, just trying to tell it to you. And I thought, wow, he's very fervent about this area of study because he's convinced about it. And you see, he was fervent because he had a conviction. This is the truth. This is what I've discovered. I have been around it. It's worked for my life. I'm very. I want you to know it. And he was fervent about it. Well, that's what happens when you have fervency in your life. The Bible says in the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they shall be forgiven them. Verse 16 says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. And the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man, it avails much. So your fervent prayer <clears throat> will be effectual and a fervent prayer will avail much. So we see this verse sometimes. We think, oh, well, fervency means... You know, I just have to get loud when I pray. No, because I know some people that pray and they're very quiet when they prayed. And the power of God begins to move. And I've cast out a devil one time and I wasn't very loud at all with the devil. I just told the devil, come out. You're going to have to come out and you come out in Jesus' name. And I wasn't very loud. And the devil came out. Why? Because there's a conviction in me that whatever I say, it's fervent. And you know I'm not going to back down from that thing. When you get into the presence of God and the fire of God comes upon you, and the fire of God overtakes you, that fervency is born in your life, and you release it, and people are touched, and they're changed. Because you have it in your life, and it's operating. You need the fire of God to move in your life. And you only get it when you're around the presence of God. When you receive the presence of God, or a touch of fire, just like Isaiah received that touch of fire in Isaiah chapter 6, it goes with you where you go. So, you take it into your... After Isaiah received that touch of fire, he went and he used it to prophesy with. He wanted to speak with. It says this in verse number 9. 
in Isaiah chapter 6, And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Mark the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. So, of course, Jesus quoted this verse in Matthew chapter 4, but at the same time, after he encountered the fire, God sent him. You cannot be sent by God until you've experienced God's fire in your life. That is what made the Azusa Street Revival of 1906 in Los Angeles, California so successful in the area of missions work was that when they experienced the fire of God in that revival, God sent those people all around the world to spread the Pentecostal move of the Holy Ghost. When churches were beginning to be set up in America, there were missionaries that were going to South Africa before it was westernized. They were cutting and trailblazing paths down there with their machetes, telling the inhabitants about Jesus Christ. And many great apostles were risen up in Africa because people that experienced the fire of God over there in Azusa Street took it to Africa. So the fire of God, like any fire, is contagious. And the minute that you begin to take it places and release it, it begins to spread like wildfire. And that's why the devil is so adamant about keeping you out of the presence of God. Because the minute you get the presence upon you, you take a fire with you, you go places... And it begins to spread. And prayers start getting answered. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to take a break. We're talking tonight about the fire of God. You need to receive the fire of God in your life, friend. And I'm going to pray for you when we get back after this. Stay tuned. Filled with pain, filled with pain 
back here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. Glory to God. We're thankful for you tuning in. We want to remind you before we go forward tonight that we're a listener-supported broadcast. You can support us at chrispalmerministries.com or you can go and write us P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. We're talking tonight about the fire of God. I'm going to turn to Judges chapter 6. Then I want to read this tonight. One thing about the fire of God we're talking about is uh, what it is. The fire of God, more than just being hot and fervent, and more than just being cleansing and purifying power, the, the fire of God is proof that God is with somebody. You could say, I don't know about that person right there. I don't know if God is with them or God is not with them. Well, God is not going to put his fire, which is his approval, on anybody that he does not endorse. 
When you see the fire of God operate in somebody, you'll know because there'll be results, things will be effective, people will be blessed and touched, you'll see heaven and the kingdom of God released, but when you see that fire, you will know this is God saying, I approve this ministry, I approve what this person is saying, I approve this life because of that fire. And really, when you get around true fire, it's going to want it. It's going to make people hungry. You're going to want that fire. You know, um, I was one of those kids that I would always be going to the drawer trying to take out my mom's lighter or my dad's lighter or whatever, whatever they. Or, or, or I would always try and find the matches and start something on fire. Now, I remember my friend Kevin when I was growing up. He had Ohio blue tip matches. And you could strike these matches on any surface and they would light. Oh my gosh, we used to go through those matches and light them on everything. Go through a whole box in a day. Then we started taking the matches and striking them and lighting the whole box of matches on fire. And we were just kids and acting like pyromaniacs. Well, you know, uh, when you're a kid, fire is amazing to you. You stare at it, you want to look at it, it's obsessive. When you're somebody that's carrying the fire of his presence, people will watch you. They will stare at you. They will want to be around you. They want to get next to you. That's because you have something that they know didn't come from this earth. You have something that's on your life that they want. And they say, what is this that you have? You say, it's the fire of God. How did you get it? I got it from his presence. Pray for me so I can have it. I can pray for you that you can have it, but you have to go seek and get your own fire because you have to stand before the altar of God and get touched by it and stay in that prayer closet till you get his fire. When you get the fire of God in your life, friend, your Christian life will be so much more enjoyable. It won't be a uh, drudgery to do stuff. It won't be a drudgery to pray. It won't be a drudgery to prophesy. It won't be a drudgery to go visit somebody in the hospital because releasing the fire of God is one of the most wonderful experiences. It's what you're made to do as a believer. You're supposed to pray with the fire. You're supposed to worship with the fire. You're supposed to preach the word of God with the fire. And I don't necessarily mean loud. I just mean convicting and fervent. Judges chapter 6, you have the story of Gideon, Old Testament. Gideon is being risen up by God to lead the people of Israel. And it says here in verse number 14, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you Gideon? Gideon, of course, doesn't understand the immensity and greatness of his God and is full of doubt. His doubt of himself was greater than the revelation of his God. You're, in order to be effective in the kingdom, let me just say this, your understanding of God and your revelation of his power has to be greater than the doubt that you have of yourself. And that needs to be dealt with. That's why we're in the word of God. All of us are insecure in some area. And so your revelation of the things of God have to supersede that insecurity to eradicate it. it says in verse number 15, And he said unto him, O my Lord, where, how, how shall I save Israel? Oh, Lord, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Basically, he was saying, oh, God, I'm having a bad hair day. Oh, don't you see, Lord, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat. Oh, God, when I was a little kid, I was laughed at. They used to pick on me on the playground. See, this is what we do with God many times. We make excuses, and we come up with reasons why. And it says in verse 16, the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you. You'll smite the Midianites as one man. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 1, it says, The righteous 
are as bold as lions. The bold are those that have been with God. How do you know someone's been with God? They're bold. They don't back down. It says in the first part of that verse, The wicked flees when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. When you are in the presence. Righteousness is your accessibility to the throne of God. Righteousness means that you can go in and out of the presence of God without fear because you are a child of God. And when you, you, you say, well, I'm, I'm righteous, but I'm not bold, that's because you haven't enforced that righteousness. You can be righteous, that's good. But it will not benefit you until you enforce the righteousness or take advantage of it. It's like giving season tickets to the Lions game. Someone comes up to you, they say these are season tickets, you have gained access to Ford Field for the whole season to watch the Lions play. And you say, thank you. And then you sit at home and you say, oh, I wish I could go to the game. I wish I could be there today. You have the tickets. Yeah. Well, go down there and give them one and have them rip it and sit down. See, that's what we do at Righteousness. God says, I'm giving you accessibility to my throne because of Jesus. And you say, thank you, Jesus. And then you say, oh, boy, I wish I could get before your throne. I would. God's given it to you. Child of God, go before the throne and sit there in his presence. <laughs> Enforce the righteousness. Well, when you do that, the result will be boldness. It will be the fire of God. The Bible says that you are as bold as a lion. You aren't a turkey. You aren't a chicken where you run off. Have you ever seen that before? A turkey? I remember one time I was out in the woods and there was a turkey. I was at a friend's uh, cabin. And this thing looked like it was chasing its own tail. And it was running from something that wasn't even around them. This is believers a lot of times when they don't have their identity in Christ. They run from everything. They think they see the devil under every rock. And they just run and run and run and run. God has not called you, friend, to be a turkey. He's called you to look that thing in the eye and back it into a corner. Because of the great one that lives inside of you. Don't you let that doctor's report back you down. You grab that piece of paper. You allow the power of God to come out of you and you say, in the name of Jesus, I have the power of God on me. I'm a child of God. Sickness, leave in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let God's fire come out of you. Let God's fire be upon you. You are a lion, friend, and you are not a coward or chicken or turkey or whatever. Feeble poultry runs and chases its own shadow. You're the king of the jungle because God is your father. Hallelujah to Jesus. What a turkey does, or what somebody like Gideon was doing, is when they see a battle, they pray, and they say, God, take me from the battle. Do you have a battle in your life tonight, friend? Are you praying that God would take you and remove the battle from you? Is that what you're praying tonight? That's not what God plan usually is because the bible says in judges chapter 6 that god didn't remove his son from the battle you'll find that out many times is that god doesn't necessarily remove you from the battle i remember <clears throat> when i was growing up my dad told me very clearly before we ever went to school he told it to me and he told it to my brother he said now you're going to elementary school he said they're going to be other kids like yourself 
and you need to get along with those kids. But there's probably going to be some kids that you don't get along with. And if anybody ever tries to fight you, and I find out that you ran from that fight, you don't want to come home here because it's going to be worse for you. You're going to have me to deal with. <laughs> In other words, my dad taught me never to back down from a fight. Now, he told me also, you better not start fights either, because if I find out you started fights, you're going to be in just as much trouble. But you need to defend yourself, because you are a palmer, and palmers don't back down from a fight. And if you go down, you're going to go down swinging, and I'll be proud of you, because you didn't run. So one day, I went to school, and uh, there was a bully that was picking on me. Now, I didn't run from him. We didn't get to that point where we got into a fight. But I remember I told my dad, I says, you know, if it ever got to the point where we fought, um, I don't know if I could win this fight. But I'll surely try. But I don't know if I could win. You know what my dad did? My dad didn't say, well, I'm going to pull you out of the school. We're just going to pack up the car and go move to another city. He took me down and enrolled me in karate classes. And he said, if that ever young man ever bothers you, you beat him up. So my dad didn't remove me from the fight. He put the fight in me. That's the same thing that God does. He doesn't want you to back down because you got a bad doctor's report, because you have bills that are facing you. He wants to put the fight in you. And that's what he did with Gideon. He said, Gideon, I'm not going to pull you away from the Midianites? If I pull you from the Midianites, they'll think your God is a coward and he's not bigger than them. He said, I can't get any glory if I pull you out of the fight. I'm going to put the fight in you. And the Bible says, he said unto them, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that you talk with me. Show me that I know God, that you're going to be with me. Show me that this fight is in me. And he says, depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come to you and bring forth my present and set it before you. So Gideon said, God, don't depart. I need to know you're with me. So I'm going to seek you even further. And the Bible says Gideon went in. He started getting in the kitchen. He started cooking. He started preparing. He started making food. It says the Bible says he came back and the angel of God said, Okay, Gideon, take all that food that you made in the kitchen. Take the flesh, take the unleavened cakes, lay it upon this rock and pour out the broth on it. Gideon said, Okay. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And the Bible says there arose up out of the rock fire, and the fire consumed the flesh of the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And you know the story. Gideon went in and was successful. This is the thing. God wants you to know that when you seek him, and you seek his presence, and you've been with him, and you go before him that his fire is going to fall. Notice what Gideon did when he wanted the fire. When he wanted God's presence to go with him against the Midianites. He made a sacrifice. We don't live in a day and age where sacrifice is popular. Everybody wants to just do it by grace. Brother, we're just going to do it by grace. Even if we're going to do anything, we're just going to do it by grace. Listen, I believe in grace just like anybody. But that doesn't mean that you sit on your couch and eat Oreo cookies all day and dip them in milk. And just expect that the power of God is going to fall? What happened to getting in your prayer closet and seeking God? God says, seek me and you shall find me. You seek and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus said, knock and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be 
uh, open. Everyone that asks receives. He that seeketh find in him that knocks the door shall be open. You have to seek God. And Gideon said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go make a sacrifice. The Bible says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. When you make sacrifice, fire always falls upon sacrifice. Every time the children of Israel made a sacrifice, the Bible says the fire of God would come and lick it up. The fire of God always falls when there's a sacrifice. When you make a sacrifice for God, when you sacrifice a seed, when you sow a seed in the kingdom of God, when you turn down temptation and say, no temptation, I'm not going to do it, the fire of God will fall. I remember growing up, there was times where temptation would come knocking. But the Spirit of God gave me the victory over that temptation. And that was me sowing a seed. My body as a living sacrifice. And every time I overcame a temptation, the presence of God showed up. And that was God rewarding me and it put upon me fire. One time someone said to me, why is there so much fire in your life? Why do you walk in authority? Why do you walk in power? I say, because I have defeated giants. Every time I had a temptation, every time I had something that tried to defeat me, I took the power of God. I sought the presence of God. I gave my life a sacrifice. And because of that, He gave me more of His fire. That's what you're seeing. That's what you're witnessing in my life is the fire of His presence. And Gideon said, God, I need to know you're going to be with me. The Bible says that out of that rock came fire. And that was Gideon's cue. I am with you. I will go with you. And I will not leave you. Because of my fire. You need his fire in your life, friend. That fire will wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and put you on your knees and cause you to pray a prayer for your child that reaches heaven and causes the power of God to pull your child out of that drug situation. Or cause your child to break up with that rebellious female. Or cause your daughter to break up with that rebellious boy. Why? Because you've sought the presence and you prayed fervently with his fire. And you know that God has heard your prayers and he solidifies you in contentment. Hallelujah to Jesus. He wants you to have his fire, friend. He wants that fire to be upon you. And I want to pray tonight. And I want to believe that the fire of God, which is no respecter of persons, will come upon you, change everything around you, and produce the kind of result that it is meant to produce. Let me pray for you. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for every listener tonight. I pray for every believer that's stagnant. Father, fill them with your glory and fill them with your fire. Every person that's caught up in sin or addiction or obsession or depression, Father, I break the power of that in their life. In Jesus' name, and I pray the fire of God. Fill them, Lord. Take them into your holy place. Move them, Father, past the religion of this world and the tradition, Father, that so many times limits our relationship with you and take us and steer us deeper into your presence, God. And I pray that there be a baptism of fire, not just a water baptism, but beyond that, Lord, I pray there be a baptism of your fire that burns away all the dross and burns away and prunes and shears everything in our life, the dead weight that so easily besets us, God, and flame us, Father, with holy passion and fervency for you, God. I pray that there be a desire in our heart for souls to be one into the kingdom of God. May your presence fill every listener's car, every person that's listening, touch and heal and restore tonight in jesus name now if you don't know jesus as your lord and savior i want you to say jesus christ come into my heart father i believe you died that you sent your son to die that he rose again 
that, Lord, he lives to make intercession for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. And I thank you and I praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of God here in this radio studio. And I tell you, if I was preaching, I'd lay hands on people right now. But you can receive from God any miracle that you need. Just believe you receive it according to Mark 11, 22 to 24. God loves you tonight, friend. We want to go ahead and let you know that next week we'll be on our broadcast, 12.15 a.m. I'll be live next week. I'll be taking calls. We want to encourage you to tune in and bring your prayer requests before the throne of God. I believe next week we'll have miracles, signs, and wonders from His holy presence. Go to church tomorrow. Be a blessing to your pastor. Add your supply to the Spirit. We love you. Remember, write to us, info at chrispalmerministries.com or visit us, www.chrispalmerministries.com. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash chrispalmerministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ, 103.5 FM, The Light.